Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back. Glad you're here with us again. As usual, you came back to maybe learn a little something, have a little fun with us. You got Vince here. Art, back in the building. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. This podcast was recorded at drsstudiosatl.com. Um, today, man, it's we're going to we're going to school today. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like class is in session. Today, so Art, man, do you ever do you ever wonder, like, when you meet those brothers or those sisters in the streets or online or whatnot, and they are just spitting like information, just facts, like left and right, and you're like, man, how in the fuck do they know all that and how they remember all that? Right? Yeah, like you know? they just they just man, they just make people look so stupid at times, mm-hmm. and it's so impressive too. Like it's like, oh man, you got that that level of knowledge. That's beautiful. I wish I did. Right. Or wish I could retain it all that way. And then I say, like, I'm, I'm a smart dude. And I knew, like, maybe 12% of, of what he just said. Mm-hmm. That's what I think about when I listen to today's guest. The wife and I have sat in the bed many nights listening to 60 Seconds Isn't Enough and just learning, like, damn. Yep. How did I yep. not know that? Why did I not think about it that way? How did I miss knowing that? Right. And I thought I was good. Mm-hmm. I ain't good. If this is your first time listening to Wild Black, I want to take just a few moments and tell you a little bit about what it is that we do. We do two things. Only two things. We tell the stories of black folks in any industry or area who by choice or by force and due to their blackness act in a nuanced manner. Think about code switching at work. Think about the things that you do to survive a police stop, to walk away alive and unarrested. We coupled those stories with credible and or expert opinions to solidify, to deliver success strategies to you and make you better. The second thing we do is we tell the stories of struggle and success from us, for us, and by us that should help us go and grow. And that's all we do week after week. (laughs) And it's free. After topic. You listen yep. to this for free. But we do need a little something from you. We need three things. The first thing, please share this podcast. Stop what you're doing right now. Go share it with a family member, a loved one. Hell, share it with somebody you don't like. <laughs> share the podcast. <laughs> Two, hit up iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeart, Podbean, wherever it is that you are listening now. And give us a review. Give us a star rating. And actually, take just a few seconds and write something to us. Those really do help us in our rankings and help us get delivered to other people for discovery. The very last thing is, follow us on our social media. Wow underscore Black is our Instagram. It's a pretty interesting community. A lot goes on. There's a lot of content, a lot of conversation. Or email us directly, wildblackpodcast at gmail.com. That's all we need from you. It's not much, but we need, we do need that. So to get to today's guest, Art is going to hit you with his bio, but I'm just going to say 60 seconds isn't enough, and I agree with that. So today we're going to talk. Oh, I don't know what 60 seconds times like 70 minutes is, but that's how many seconds we're going to get today. It's a whole damn lot of them. <laughs> Art, you want to hit his bio, brother? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So Justin Blue is the creator of Justin Blue University a platform focused on providing education and life lessons from a Black perspective. Justin is a social media influencer and scholar activist who is simultaneously enrolled as a graduate student at Georgia State University. While working towards his master's in African-American studies, he also manages and conducts research aimed towards empowering single Black mothers raising males. Justin, man, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you, thank welcome. you. I'm just happy to be here. Um, appreciate y'all having me on. I'm ready to talk. Let's, let's get to it. And tell people just a little bit more about yourself. I, I alluded to the 60 seconds isn't enough, but they don't know what I'm talking about yet. Tell it's, them a little bit more. So, much. so my main thing is getting our information to us that's from us. So it's, in a way, it's kind of like the FUBU aspect, but it's, it's, it's for us. 
And so we, there's so much information or things have been ingrained in our minds and, and we've been indoctrinated with so much information from a perspective that's not meant to empower us. So the work that I do is focused on giving us the information and giving it in a, in a manner that's going to help us and not just hinder us. So that's what I do. Cool, cool. And folks, like I'm not joking, like I've spent much time on this brother's Instagram page just soaking it up. He, he is truly Appreciate one of them cats who like, when you hear him talk, you like, damn, I'm not good as I thought I was. <laughs> but he, he's not alone today. He brought a That's guest. He, he brought a guest. You want to introduce your guest for us today? So I have Satya with me. You're going to get a lot of information. I, I am forecasting. I am predicting. You heard it here first. Like, this is going to be another good one. Another one. Another good one. Well, we want to jump into our wild black shit. Like, this is how we get a chance to know you, learn a little bit more about Let's you. Let's go. Fun, no pressure. We have all, a good all time. All types of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know it's pressure when they say no pressure. No, Why? Pressure. Why? no Why? pressure. This is probably the hardest piece of the whole, the whole <laughs> show, right? Three questions. Three questions. You can always see the brains turning on right, that like, last. Oh, like, damn. wait a minute. What, like, when they, you know, when they open it up like that, oh. All right, what historical leader had they been recruited to the right side of discrimination and oppression in history, do you think could have done the most good? The right side of, like, they're not discriminating or being oppressive? Yeah, think about it like this. Like, wh what historical leader in history is portrayed, known to be seen as a bad guy? The wrong side of the struggle. Yeah, but had you been able, like, to think about Darth Vader. Like, had you been able to, to move him... <laughs> From the from the from the dark side, like he could have done some real good, right? Right. Who who would have who would have been and why? You want to take this one? All right. <laughs> <laughs> that would require some thought. Um, right now, I think Malcolm X, um, and I think Malcolm X because I think that if he would have been able where I'm at right now today, I think that if he would have been able to push, um a human rights agenda, right. but incorporated blackness within it, it could have right. freed us. Okay. I see that. I like that. Right now, today, I think that, though. I got you. <laughs> All right, what you uh, thinking, brother? I was thinking about the human rights agenda with Malcolm X. Come back to me. I got a couple, but I want to narrow it down. What do you think? So, I, I, got, I got two. Um, Idi Amin, I think could have done a lot more good than he's portrayed to have done. But <clears throat> probably, this is probably stereotypical, right? But I think about Hitler. Like, from the standpoint that's, that's of, was, of his influence. I was leaning towards that way. Because it's like, he's one of them kind of cats where, like, you hate to say, damn, he was smart. Right? You hate to say that because it almost feels like you're on the side of, you know, genocide, right? But the reality is, if you take away his acts and you talk about his influence, his, his ability to speak to the masses and get them on his team, to lead them, that's an admirable trait. I don't like what he did with it, but had, he, had we been able to flip him to the right side, flip him towards, like, human rights, <laughs> what could he have done? <laughs> it's like a complete... <laughs> like, right. it's like, right. I know, it's, a, no, it, it's crazy, but... I'll, I'll say, um, even though he did horrific things, right. not to be co-signed, or approved in any manner. Right. But there's a certain level of genius that comes with being able to lead that many people. Right. Especially, especially when you're doing something wrong. Right. It's one thing right. to be able to lead people to do something the right way that's like sits well with their soul. But to be able to to change somebody's psychology to do something that's to create horrific, a monster. And them to follow you. To follow you through, yeah. That's it's crazy. So what we're going to do is we, we're going we're gonna to get together and we're going to kill everybody. All them over <laughs> there. All like millions me. of them. Y'all with me? Yes. Like, how the hell do you get people to do yeah. that? I mean, I got an answer. I got an answer right? if y'all want it. But... Break it down. Go ahead. Break it down. All right. All you got to do is dehumanize. Y'all finna learn. I'm getting excited. <laughs> all you got to do is dehumanize a group. After you take away their humanity, they're no longer humans. And if you, even if you go on a religious tip, um, like from Christianity viewpoint, you have dominion over the land and the animals. So once you make a group of people animals, what happens to them no longer matters because it's up to you. Eh? You are no longer on my level because you are an Correct. animal. You are no longer right. a human. Chattel slavery. Yeah. I got, I got one. I think of Michael Jordan, but I, I, I don't think about him in the, 
it's more of an example. So with the amount Michael, of Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. not 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 negatively. Oh, I'm like yeah, not like on a okay. No, I feel what you're saying. Like okay, okay, I'm with you. I think when I think about today, it's it's around people who don't use their voice. Yeah. Right, so it's like you got this amazing opportunity to actually make a difference, but you don't do anything with it. Right, like right, you just kind of right, hold right. it in, and you you and and you shirk that responsibility. That I think a lot of us have. You get that platform, correct. I think you should uplift. Correct, correct. You don't you don't use it. You don't stand strong with everybody who looks like you or, yeah. or has the same beliefs as you. You actually mute yourself to for your own personal cause. Yeah. No, I agree with you, but in the midst of listening to that, I thought about something else. Some people just don't need to speak. That's also true. true. Like, if you open your mouth, you're going to fuck it up for everybody. It's like, we get mad because it's like, bro, you're not speaking out on our behalf, but who knows? Sometimes you got to count your blessings. It it, it, it really could be a blessing. We don't know. You're right. Kanye is a great example of this point. Oh, I wish you would just sit down and shut up. That's a mental illness. That's a whole other episode. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, yeah, I I see that. I see that piece. Even if it's in silence, though. Right, because I mean... Like, because I got bread. I could do a lot by by distributing bread. Like, money could be a a means to say, hey, I support it, but I ain't the one that's going to... He might think they're good people on both sides. All right, so this is our last signature question. This is the question All 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 of our listeners... Um, and all of our guests really love to answer. And ironically, we all generally answer it the same way with just different words. Yep. What do you love most about life while black? Everybody's head went Everybody, up in There's always a pause. Everybody's head went up in unison. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ponder. Right, hit it with the music. <laughs> we have an innovative culture, a resilient culture. So. That's what I love most about life while black because it's innovative. Like you give us, you give us anything. You know, you give us two pennies and we want to hear some music. We're gonna we're gonna make some sound out of it, and um, and just the resilience. No matter what, we're always gonna come up. So you you like you are in with the thematic, correct? So I I think that I well I do identify as a black nationalist. Mm-hmm. So I feel as though life is black. So that's a very hard like question that. for me. Um, There's a question we got coming up that I think you'll okay. love. Okay. So I, I feel as though life is black, and the beauty of that is that um, no matter where you go or what situation you're in, you can always find blackness within it um, because we are the root of everything. I think that might be the first time we've heard that heard it presented that way before. Yeah. Like what? Like what is what context. is life not black? Right? It's yeah. correct as a black nationalist, right. <laughs> we, or just I, I, as I like a black that. person, like Hell, as a person, yeah. like I mean, e- even pop culture today that's embraced by every color of person out there, every race, every nationality is based on black culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what is life not black? I like that. Okay. All right. So we're gonna move into the dope quote, and the dope quote is the thematic for the entire episode. So when I when I read through this, like this will be the lens in which all the questions disseminate from. This will be the barriers and the boundaries for the conversation. Um, so I want to jump into that. I am America. I am the part you won't recognize, but get used to me. Black, confident, cocky. My name, not yours. My religion, not yours. My goals, my own. Get used to me. Muhammad Ali. So, Justin, man, when you hear that quote, what comes to mind? What do you think? What do you feel? Um, <laughs> the word is unapologetic. Yeah. That's that's the word, just unapologetic. And we've been apologetic about who we are, our culture, religion, beliefs, just the way we look. So that's what I take from that. Is this is who I am, and better get used to it, because this is what it's going to be. I'm not adjusting. Yeah, yeah. Right. Same thing. Same thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Art, what you thinking, bro? Uncompromising. Yeah. Like, I, I I, am confident with who I am, who I'm supposed to be, the goals that I have, and the life that I'm going to live. Like, that's that's the, the ultimate essence of being aware of who you are as a person or as an individual. It makes me think of a few words. Fuck you, pay me. It's like, I'm here. <laughs> this is my shit. Like, I've earned... I've 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 built, I've designed, like I, I I have the ability to be me, regardless as to how you see me or how you want me to be. This is who I am, true and through. 
all day long. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not standing for your pledge. I'm not standing for your allegiance. I'm, I'm not code switching anymore. Like, I am here, period. I'm living in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, what, it, is, it, what is life not black? Yeah. It's a state that, that many of us cannot yeah. live in currently outwardly. Yeah. Because we compromise. Yeah. And that, that is no compromise at all. Okay, I'm me. I'm going to show you what that looked like. I think that outside of, like, the, the quotes in which this show is based, I think this is, has become my favorite. Like, I love, like, this is how I feel. Like, when you said unapologetic, mm-hmm. I had to look down. I was like, do I have that shirt on today? Because I got, like, all my shirts, like, say something. Like, I got a coat, unapologetically black. My favorite is, don't let your new president be the reason you cash these hands. Like, I'm a, this big-ass <laughs> chest is like a walking billboard yeah, all good. the time. <laughs> <laughs> I got one anti-Trump as fuck. Right? <laughs> like I really wear. My wife is like, just don't lose the job. Hold on, hold on. Right. But you know what though? So when you when you look at that quote though, we should all aspire to be like what he's representing. I agree. For sure. Because what he says is, I am America. Right. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, I'm, I should like be James able to Ball be me the same thing. Right. in America because this is America. I am America. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you start to know that, then you start to say, well, shit, I should start to express myself as myself. See, this, and this brings up uh, something I was thinking about earlier today is the concept of mainstream America. Right. And even myself, I, I'll use mainstream America to refer to things. But when we say mainstream America, we're referring to them being at the center, at the center of everything that we we revolve yeah. around. So yeah, that's something to think about too. If we're that in the midst is. of trying to be unapologetic about who we are, but at the same time, we'll say something like mainstream, and not even realizing that it's stroking the ego of so many people that want us to use them as a reference point for how we should be. Yeah, I mean, mainstream puts them in the center, and at the same time admits that we're still buying into what we've been taught all this time. Like, we can't even put ourselves in the center. And I, and I, and I think about it, too. The term mainstream, it's, it's, it's uh, funny how we call that mainstream when everything comes from us. Correct. I'm right. Saying, we are, You're right. We are the mainstream. <laughs> the flow comes from it. us. It's yeah. like, right. Yep. That's, that's, that's the real whole shit. Right. thought process to say, well, when I reference that, I'm, I'm really referencing me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to move into the civil right, civil wrong. And all that is, is I'm going to read a piece of an article. And then I want us collectively and independently, rather, to react to what you hear. Ultimately, deciding, do you think that what I read is a civil right or civil wrong? Is it good for the culture? Is it bad for the culture? Do you agree? Do you disagree? All right? So this is a little bit of a read of reading. It's not a whole lot, but I I want to set the premise. This is from an article uh, January 12th article, 2017, about Dr. Martin Luther King. The article is called, I Fear I'm Integrating My People into a Burning House. Uh, to set the stage, <clears throat> this interview actually happened with Harry Belafonte, a close friend of Martin Luther King. King was at his house close to the end of his life, and they were having this conversation in his living room. And I- I'll just start reading it. Um, Midway through the civil rights movement, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., realized that the struggle for integration would ultimately become a struggle for economic rights, Belafonte reflected. I remember the last time we were together at my home, shortly before he was murdered. He seemed quite agitated and preoccupied, and I asked him what the problem was. According to Belafonte, King responded, I've come upon something that disturbs me deeply. We have fought hard and long for integration, as I believe we should have, and I know we will win but I've come to believe that we are integrating into a burning house. I'm afraid that America has lost the moral vision that she may have had. And I'm afraid that even as we integrate, we are walking into a place that does not understand this nation need, sorry, that does not understand that this nation needs to be deeply concerned with the plight of the poor and the disenfranchised. Until we commit ourselves to ensuring that the underclass is given justice and opportunity, we will continue to perpetuate the anger and violence that tears the soul of this nation. I fear I am integrating my people into a burning house. So the question here after hearing that is, was integration a civil right or a civil wrong? Woo-wee! <laughs> yeah. It was a civil wrong. Break it down. 
it was it was a civil wrong because um, integration mainly helped the middle and upper class black people. People don't understand if if you can't afford to live in a in a nice neighborhood or not even nice a, a predominantly white neighborhood, right? Then there's no point in you having the the right or the the legal right to be there because you can't afford to be there anyway. If you can't afford to send your kids to a a white school in in that type of community, it, it doesn't benefit you to be to legally have the right. Or as far as jobs, the um, middle and upper class black people they were more educated. So what good is it for them to legally have to put that token black guy in there or that token black woman in there if you don't have the education to qualify for that position? So what happened was integration. It took out the some of the most educated people and, and some of the greatest resources in our communities. So even to say you have a, a school, the school might have been poor, but the the teachers might have been great. The best teachers in that school, and the first opportunity they get to go to a, a, a white school, they're gonna take that opportunity. So it's just really been draining out, um, yeah, draining out our resources. Also, when it comes to black economics, black business, yeah, yeah. we used to spend money amongst ourselves because we didn't really have a choice to do otherwise. Now, though, you have, and of course, they've always been our communities. There's been different groups inside our communities, but it's where our money doesn't get spent among our, among ourselves anymore because we have so many other options. And then due to the, the brainwashing that we've had just throughout history from slavery and, you know, so forth, We've been brainwashed to think that the white man's ice is colder. So if you got a black man selling ice and you got a white man selling ice, a lot of people are going to just naturally go towards the white man that's selling ice. So integration hurt us in a, in a lot of ways, even when it comes to talking about the NFL. What is the NFL without black people? It's nothing. So all that talent is really the 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 best talent that we have is going into uh, white hands and being managed by white white hands. Even another thing, banks. If we had, if we, if if black people were putting their money into into black owned banks and we didn't have a legal right to put it in white banks, there's so much growth in that alone. That that's a that's a huge thing. So that's my take on it. It was integration hurt us far more than it helped us. And since we have integration now today, the form of racism has transitioned into being subtle racism or subliminal racism. So a lot of people, the, the system's still operating. It's just, since it's not blatant anymore, uh, a lot of us are, are asleep, making us even less, less willing to fight. Um, integration was completely wrong. Um, it basically programmed black people to stop fighting. It created a, an illusion as if things were okay if we integrated, and so it made black people um, stop fighting their fight. At the same time, I don't know if it was right or wrong. Right. I think that it definitely stopped. It, it made black people think that there was no struggle to fight for. And so black people didn't think to fight for their basic human rights. Right. And so. Which leads to where we are. Yeah, now. pretty yeah. much. I'm with you. Art, brother, you, had, you got thoughts? I, so I love this, <laughs> this, this article. Um, or I love the interview in, in the context in which he shares this information about where Dr. King was at at that moment um, because he's, I think he was transitioning into a thought process of understanding that this is more of an economic battle versus just a, a human right battle. So it's more than just this, this social platform. It's actually more of an economic platform that we should be fighting for. And I think the thought process that opportunity comes through Integration was a fallacy to help people keep folks that were oppressed oppressed. Right. And so do I do I think that the civil that this was a civil right or a civil wrong is a hard question. It is is it because there's there's a, a few sides to it in my opinion. I think right. to oppress a, a person and then give them the thought process of opportunity of integration, I think that's a, a, a fallacy as well. Right. Because your whole construct is based on right. oppression. So right. it's not like you, you're doing this to stop oppression. You're right. just you're doing not this welcoming to... into the system. This Correct. system is built to hold me back Correct. anyway. Correct. So now I've just modified the system to continue to oppress you and give you and allow you to think that it was more of an opportunity when it's really not. Yeah. And uh, I think if we did not 
um, integrate, then I think we would have more situations where African-Americans would become extremely powerful in individualized pockets across the nation, mm -hmm. and they will become bigger threats. And then like things like Black Wall Street, where you got bombers coming through a city mm -hmm. and blowing things up, I think they would have to get into a situation where they start to neutralize that mm -hmm. with violence and force. Yep. And I don't think we would, we as a, we, we're not built for, for that level of, of, of violence, right? Where you're right. dropping bombs on people. I don't think we have a, a, a culture as black people of, of killing and doing things like that. Yeah. So I think that, that it's a false decision. Like you can't really, both sides are very difficult to determine like, like which one has more righteousness than the other. Right. Uh, hey, go ahead, bro. Before we switch gears, I, I want to say it wasn't so much that we needed integration. It was more so we just needed to be left alone. Like, if we're going to build, let us build. That's all we really needed. So that's my take. I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, so when I think about it, I think about, there are a couple of things I think about. You mentioned Black Wall Street. And historically, if you go back to 1917 to about 1923, there were multiple cities, multiple communities mm -hmm. that were black and prosperous, right? Uh, comparatively speaking, more prosperous than a lot of our communities are today. Mm -hmm. You've got Black Wall Street or Tulsa. You've got Rosewood, you had um, Atlanta prior to, Washington, D.C., East St. Louis, Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah, um, places where we had large right. population. There were several, and in, in each of those situations, there were doctors and lawyers. There was mm -hmm. ownership, banks, even like at Black Wall Street's case, planes. And in each one of those situations, you had a white militia full of townsfolk and people come through, destroy everything and take mm -hmm. it over, Right. And I look at those those years, those 1917 through 1923, as an example of what could have been even significantly more prosperous given 20 and 30 years to develop to the point yeah. of integration, right? And so what I think about integration is that no one has your best interest at heart like you do, right? And all of a sudden, we gave up ownership and control of our tomorrow. Now, granted, there is always some overarching control in the country in general, but succumbing to or investing in the system that, to your point, Art, was built to hold us back, beginning to go to these schools, hoping for, maybe even expecting equal education, knowing that they still call you nigga, education is not going to be equal, even though you're in an A-plus school. When I think about things like we, 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 we agreed to participate in that system, right? We gave up ownership, both in land and control of, of our own decisions. Like, I'm on the side of, of integration being a civil wrong. Now, I think there are perks to it, right? Because if you want to better yourself, how do you better yourself? You put yourself around people who know different things than you do. So we definitely could learn, have learned, and should continue to learn from our oppressors, from white people, from any person out there. Like, go soak up that knowledge. But I'm a firm believer, like, but bring it back home. We had closed systems then. These towns in the 1919s were self-contained Black cities, right? We had doctors and lawyers. The black dollar stayed in our cities significantly longer than the, what, the, what is it, seven minutes or something now? I'm say it's like six hours. Something like that. I know something crazy, right? We, we were self-contained. And, and we, we gave that up via integration because we fell for the lie that it's better over here. And we don't want you here because it's better over here. And, but simply because they said, we don't want you here, we fought to be there. I think it's a fight that needed to happen, but I think the recognition is that now let's find our way back to, I think, a certain level of separation to allow us to heal, to allow us to grow, to allow us to build. Won't do anything but set us up for future benefit, Pat. Uh -huh. All right, I'm going to shut up now. I agree. <laughs> Even C wants me to shut up, see? No, I said no, I agree. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's different now, though. It has to be intentional. Like, it is a conscious choice that each of us make where we work with yeah select black doctors select black lawyers absolutely buy black them. shop black support yeah, black that, that's that movement yeah right and i agree i say hey we're in an integrated system but we actually compartmentalize how we work within this integrated system uh -huh. so we build up each of our people mm -hmm. as we live in this integrated system uh -huh. and with that uh quick we're going to have an episode on the black dollar, buying black, uh, coming up real shortly. So be ready for that to drop behind this one soon. 
That was a pretty good conversation. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that was a good conversation. So, you ready to move into like the 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 meat and the potatoes of this thing? Oh, I'm ready, man. Listen, y'all ready to get some learning? Said it like I was an old country. <laughs> y'all ready to get some learning? Y'all ready to get some learning? Now? <laughs> right, you got a straw in your mouth. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> a quick learn. reminder: we're here, Wild Black, Justin Blue. We're talking about. Black education. We're talking about being black, enlightened, learning, being woke. We're talking about what it is to live in the country, understanding that the country is already black. What is it? What is it to live life while black when there's nothing but life while black? And we're gonna jump into these questions. So the first one that that I want to ask to you, brother, is like when when anyone tunes in and they and they hear you speak, they see your videos it becomes obvious that you are, without a doubt, passionate about this space. And here we talk on Wild Black, we talk about sparks. Uh, like, what sparked you to do this? What sparked you to become this? Okay, there's, it's a long answer to that question, but I've always been aware to a certain extent. I uh, grew up in a, just a, a politically aware household. Mm-hmm. So I've always been aware of different things as far as black consciousness or being quote-unquote woke and things of that nature. I haven't always been deep in that room, but I've always been a deep thinker. Mm-hmm. But what woke me up, like it just like shook me out of, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say I was asleep, but I guess I was wiping the crust out of my eyes or something. <laughs> <laughs> Florida International University, um, the North Campus, it's about around 1 a.m. It's me, me and my frat brother. And there's this winding road. So it's Biscayne Bay Campus. Anybody that's been there, they know how the road mm-hmm. winds. So it's about 1 a.m. And we, we pull out of that parking lot and we're, we're driving. The winding road. So you probably can do 30, 40, 30, 35 to 45 max because it's, it's winding. But there, I look in my rearview mirror and there's this, there's these lights. There's, there's this car that's coming towards my bumper, like full speed. So I look, I look, I look in my rearview mirror. And I was like, what the fuck? So I go to change lanes and uh, police lights come on. So I'm like, okay, it's the police. So I pull over mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a winding road. There's nothing but trees. It's just us and the officer. So the officer walks up to my window. He says, why were you going so fast? I had to do 100 and whatever just to catch up with you. Were you running from me? Step out of the car. Didn't ask for my license, ID, none of that. Just, were you running from me? Step out of the car. So I told my frat brother, I said, hey, call somebody. So he heard me say that. And another officer came to his side, and he, he, he took him out the car. So we can't call nobody. Mm. Within, um, no pun intended, 60 seconds, for real, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was in handcuffs, being uh, searched and, and all, right? And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And the officer, he's like, he's like what did you do? Um, like, what's in the car? What's in the car? And I'm like, there's nothing in the car. What's in the car? There's nothing in the car. What's in the car? And I realized he's trying to rile me up. Now, this is around late 2014, early 2015. There's a lot of killing. This mm-hmm. is a lot of a lot of protest things going on, so I already know how this could this could this could play out. But he's he's so I, I give him permission to search the car because I'm already illegally detained. So it's, you might as well just try to get out. So my my advice to anybody in a similar situation is get home. Like do what you got to do to get home. I mean, oh, you be the tough guy later. You can fight it in different ways, but it, there's a difference between like keeping it real and being dumb. Get home. So. The officer, there's the other officer is searching my car and he finds $100 in the, in the front console. He says, so he yells to the other officer, he says, hey, look what I found. So the officer that was searching me, he says, oh, well, all right, put it in his front left pocket so that way when we take him in, we can document it. What? So I'm, I'm in handcuffs. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, this shit is there for real. They're dead ass serious. Whoa. And so they kept going back and forth on their story. First it was, we, uh, ran, we ran past the stop sign. Then it was, uh, we were we were speeding, and they just kept changing their stories up. And so my dad, he's done law enforcement back home. Like my my dad, I'm I'm from Clearwater, Florida, so that's about four hours away from Miami. So I'm telling them that my dad has been involved in law enforcement, and because I'm realizing this is a real situation, so I'm really trying to like really push that, push that, and see if it that's the only thing I got. Right. So the officer puts me puts me in one police car, puts my frat brother in, in the other police car, and in the midst of him closing the door while I'm in handcuffs, he says, "Don't worry." You're not being detained. As you're being detained. As I'm in the back of a police car with handcuffs. <laughs> handcuffs on. You're already detained. <laughs> so, all right, he goes, um, he, he calls my dad. 
Because I give him the passcode. Oh, he calls your dad. I give him the passcode. I give him the, the code to my cell phone. So he, he goes back to my car, grabs my cell phone, and he, he calls my dad off my phone. My dad doesn't know that this whole situation is going on. He just, he just thinks it's a, a routine traffic stop. So um, thank God my dad picked up because it's like about 1 o'clock in the morning. They, they walk back to the car. They let us out. They take the handcuffs off. And they say to us, we didn't document or report any of this, so you don't even have to tell anybody if you don't want to. But what opened my eyes the most was this. They knew I was a student there. And while I was sitting there trying to convince them of how good I was and how um, I was doing good things and I was a proper citizen and I'm not a, I'm not a thug, I'm not a criminal, I'm here trying to, trying to graduate, I graduate soon. It hit me, they knew I was a student from the get-go. There's a parking tag on my car. So it's not like they felt like I was up to criminal activity. They knew that I was on the right path. And so it's one thing to, to stereotype someone as being a criminal or being a thug and then to treat them that way because you stereotype them in such a way, which I'm not saying is good. But it's a completely different thing to know that someone isn't that stereotype mm-hmm. and to still want to lock them away. And that's when I started reading different books and digging into uh, the new Jim Crow and things. And then it's just a rabbit hole after that. So whether it's out of our control or in our control, what do you think are the three top issues plaguing black folks today? Okay. um, First one I would say is black folks don't use, they don't use their money correctly. If you want respect or you want to be treated right, you're going to have to use your money correctly and you're going to have to be in control of making your own money. So there's a lot of people who who can't sit up and, and talk on this podcast where I'm talking because they're going they're, they're going to get fired. So they they lose the food on their plate. Anybody that has the power to to take the food off your plate, they have complete control over you. Right. Whether or not they want to abuse that power or not, they still have it. They still have that level of power. So it's like we're our we've been raising our kids to grow up and get a good job instead of create one. And subconsciously a good job has happened to be working for white people. So there's, there's no way that you can fully have freedom if that's the aspirations that we collectively, collectively have as a people. But then when the money that we do have, we're still not using that money correctly. So we're not spending money amongst ourselves. Um, we talk about politics and voting. We're not backing these politicians. If we really believe in this system, like if this is a system we're going to believe in, then we need to put money behind these politicians because that's... It, you can vote for whoever you want to, but it, it comes down to the to the dollar. So that would be the first thing is uh, using our money correctly. And that, that ties into just the disrespect. For example, thing with Gucci and, and all these different brands has been disrespecting us. The fact that a, a brand can do that to a group of people and then someone says, all right, we need to boycott them for three months. That's crazy in itself. For there to even be the concept of like, we're going to just not spend money with them for only three months. They already know you're coming back. Right. But the fact that, that that's controversial, the fact that you can say, like you get spit in the face, somebody says, okay, we're not going to buy from them for three months. And then people still be like, well, ah, that's, you know, they, you, you still get backlash off of saying we're not going to buy from them for three months. That just goes to show it's almost as if there's nothing a company can really do for us not to pay them. <laughs> You know, so that's that's the first thing. Um, also, Gucci got some great publicity on that one. Oh, great publicity! Yeah, man. and that's. I mean, I don't know if that's is that is that's further uh, in this interview because I don't want to jump ahead. No, you're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're good. Oh, okay. Ain't no rules. Yeah, so no, it's great publicity. So um, I have a bachelor's degree in advertising and a minor in marketing. It's genius. Okay, first off, you know, black people like to buy those expensive clothes because it makes them feel closer to whiteness. And it helps, it helps validate who they are as far as just mm-hmm. whiteness and things. Because folks say, okay, that's just what I like. But especially when it comes to lifestyle brands, okay, what is a lifestyle brand? Lifestyle brand means it represents certain thoughts. It represents certain views, certain opinions. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a deeper subconscious that that's representing. It's, 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 a, it's like a lifestyle brand is supposed to be an external way of representing what's on the inside. So if you have a, a clothing line that's a lifestyle brand and that what they're expressing is racist things, then that says a lot about your internal if that's what's supposed to be representing you. But for black people, since we 
we have this subconscious weakness where a lot of us seek validation from white people and a lot of us try to strive for whiteness as much as possible because that's how we've been trained to think. If there's a product that white people feel like are exclusive to them, we feel as if us being able to get our hands on it makes us that exclusive and, and, and great as well. So We get closer to whiteness. Right, so it's like if a, if a black person already hates themselves Crazy. and there's a, a label or design that says we hate you too, and then it's, there's going to be a huge group of black people. It's like, oh, we good then. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's, it, it's, it's so sad. It's, it's so, so sad. true. It's true. It's so the the sad. thing that gets me about that is what I think about is, I, I know that there are a lot of people who think that they didn't do that on purpose. And I've been in marketing advertising for a long time. And I agree. Someone in that chain made an honest mistake. But too many people see that along the way. For it to ever get out. So someone like, you know, this shit's going to hit the fan and it's going to be good. Correct. They recognize that. Correct. Think about it. Like, that happened with, with Gucci now. But it was Prada, what, two months ago? And then Four black face. This shit blew the fuck right. up. Right, before. before. Right. Like, they like, paying attention. They're like, that shit worked. Heck yeah. They said the thing. These niggas got upset. They talked about us left and right. And when they said they were going to stop buying. And, and while we stopped buying, all the people who want to oppress us, all the people who are like, I hate them niggas. They going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when they stop buying it, we didn't forget, and then we go buy the it. The Negroes come we, back. Right. That $1,200 yeah. we had in our pocket in December for that purse just gets spent in March. Fact. It's the only difference. That's probably. <laughs> right. Yeah. This so, is the blueprint. No, I'm, just, I'm just manipulating my revenue <laughs> right. when it comes in, right? Yeah, I hate to yeah. say it, but it's... I mean, they know. Honestly, we're we're going to apologize. We're going to have a day at training. We're going to give some money to the black community. We're going to hire somebody black. We're going to tell them how much we love black folks, and then they're going to come back. Say, hey, don't they have taxes coming? You know, let's just... <laughs> right. This yeah, is a good we'll time just go to run it. this campaign. <laughs> right. They get their tax money. They'll be happy. We apologize. They're ready to spend. Everything's good. But it was genius. It was, yeah, it was. It was a genius yeah. move. I'm, I'm not even disappointed with Gucci on that. I'm really not. Because you know, it, it's, it's business. And if... I can manipulate people into spending more with me. It's really about this bread. I agree, but but what I hate about it is that they recognize that we fall for the okie doke over. We got to get and over and over. So I'm not mad at them for exploiting it because I get the business aspect. I I wish they cared more about us. I'm mad because we keep letting this shit happen. Mm -hmm. We keep going back. Yeah, that's us. So your point was money. These lifestyle brands. What's the third thing plaguing black folks? Oh no, the lifestyle brands isn't isn't plaguing black folks. Okay, it's, sorry. It's um, it's how we spend our money. So it's kind of okay. connected. We need to start te- teaching our own kids. That's that's you talking that's the second me. one. Education. Like we need to start teaching our own kids. It's um, we're not gonna make any progress as long as there's there's people teaching our kids that don't have the best interests of our own kids. It don't work that way. The education system is meant for indoctrination. It's not meant for education. It's meant for indoctrination. That's why. In the morning, every single day, the average school says the Pledge of Allegiance. It's getting them ready to operate in a certain system and think a certain way. So we got to start educating our own kids. And if you can't afford to put them in a, or if you don't have the ability to put them in a place where you feel like the the daytime activity is in their best interest, then you definitely need to be educating them at home. So that's the second one. And um, another one is also the... And this could fall somewhere else on the list, but this, this definitely falls in the category. For the entire time that black people have, at least since chattel slavery, because we were, we were here before then, but, you know, coming from chattel slavery and then after that point, we've never had an opportunity to define black relationships for ourselves, especially when it comes to households and um, just family structure, all of that. We've, we've used European culture as a reference point for that. So the that structure is is almost like looking at a house that's caved in and then going to the architect that made that and say, okay, I need the same floor plan. Mm. <laughs> that so, must have caved in last time. Come do it again. <laughs> right. So all right. So if we're in a system where fifty like nearly fifty percent of the marriages are failing. And even the white women, they're not happy about whatever they got going on. They not happy. You know what I'm saying? So for us to say, okay, we need that. Let's go for that. And we have a, we're in a completely different predicament. There's completely different factors. We have completely different needs in our households. Just a plethora of things and reasons why we should just sit down and plan out our own, what works best for us. 
for us to follow that system that's not working, it's just insane. So that's what black people need to do. I'm, and I'm not saying, per se, what it is that we need to do. As we far know as, it ain't that. It's, it's, it's not working. You know, like <laughs> you can you can argue you like you can argue for it all day long, but at the end of the day, it's not working. You know, that's just the fact of the matter. It's not working. So we gotta we need to sit down and really start defining our relationships and how we should do our have our relationships for ourselves. Like that would be that. the third thing because I, I, I've never thought about that for sure. Because if you don't have uh, um, if you don't have black families, you don't have black communities. Yeah, I would. So just sum it, sum it up though. All right, we gotta start using our money to empower us. Mm-hmm. The sec, we got to start educating ourselves and educating our own children. And we need to start um, creating relationships that work for us and structuring relationships in ways that work for us and empower our own communities. That's gotcha. my three. All right. So hmm. in similar vein to that question, that was one of the issues that are plaguing us. What's the one single thing we need more than anything right now that can have positive impact on the society, the culture of black people right now? I'm going to say we need more black business owners. Okay. That's, that's that. We need more black business owners. And then from there, you, you're in an empowered state. Yeah. People care about. Yeah, we need black, black business owners and we need to start um, using our money to empower us. That's, that's the biggest thing. I like that. I, everything else, I, I feel, falls under that. Because if you're going to talk about educating your own children, but you can't afford to send them to school or you can't afford to pay for your own teacher, or own teachers, right? Then you can't move without that. So we got more black businesses. We got the black dollar staying in our communities longer. Mm-hmm. We are more enriched, more wealthy. We can then bring our own schools in. We can then teach our own children. I mean, it's right. I like. I like. That's like the connective tissue. Politicians, like yeah. Okay, we can, affund, we can fund. We can support. You can vote all day, but if if you don't affect anything as far as their pockets, or they're not dependent upon you financially. They don't, they're not going to listen. So it, it comes down to the money. We got to yeah. really just start focusing on black businesses and I like that. operating that way. That's, that's going to be the, that's what I say the key thing is. Like the, the one, when I listen to your 60 seconds isn't enough videos, the one thing that I walk away with every time is like your level of confidence, right? Above everything else. When you speak, it's obvious that you are confident in what you're saying. Right, and then understanding that you back it up with fact and you present that fact. How does someone listening find that in themselves? How how do they become that confident? Especially in this world now, where you look left, you look right, and there's someone telling you you ain't yeah, yeah. shit, you ain't right, you this, you that. How did you do that? And how do they do it? The research. That's it. It's like it's like this: when you know something, and you know it completely, mm-hmm. without a doubt, like you you've done your due diligence to find and research the information and you know whatever you're speaking about is the truth. Like, deep down in your soul, you know it's the truth. There's nothing that anybody can say to alter that because you've already done the work. So I think a lot of, pe- a lot of people are scared to speak out or they can't speak out powerfully about what it is that they're saying because there's a part of them that's unsure about it in right. themselves. It's kind of like, okay, say you wore... Uh, what, what shirt did you wear yesterday, if you remember? Mm, yesterday I had on a shirt that just said, which one? It just said proud as fuck. Oh, what I'm saying is this. If you know what shirt you had on yesterday. Right. And I try to tell you what shirt you had on yesterday. Right. You know deep down in your soul. What I had on What yesterday. you had on yesterday. Right. So you could like, let me com- convince you to just go along with it. But right. if we got into a heated debate where there was a lot on the line. Right. About, I don't know, if somebody was, was, was saying, um. Well, whoever, what was what was on your shirt yesterday? Proud as fuck. All right, whoever had proud as fuck on yesterday, I'm giving them ten thousand dollars, and I'm like, well, his shirt just said as fuck. We gonna get into a deep, <laughs> <laughs> we gonna get into a deep argument, right? <laughs> and you're gonna you're gonna defend. And I'm arguing with some shit that I already know to be true, right? You are gonna <laughs> battle that to the death. And either either we gonna get into a fist fight, and you are gonna get that ten thousand dollars, or you gonna pull up an old picture or something, or or we're gonna have a long argument. But you're not going to back down from that because you know, right? I know deep it to down be in true. your soul, this is what it is to be true. So that's the way you speak with confidence. Is I like that you you do your research and you make sure whatever it is that you're saying, like this is what I know for a fact is is to be true. And then that's that's how I can deliver the information because like when it comes to the the comment section or anything of that nature, I already like I already mapped, I already played chess in my mind about 
whatever your arguments are going to be. And I also made sure that everything I'm speaking is something that I can stand firm on no matter who addresses me. All right, so I'm, I want to take a jump real quick. And I, I've mentioned your videos a lot. People go to, what's your Instagram page real quick? Uh, JustinBLU underscore. So. You got to go check these video out. I'm, I'm telling you, he hits on all type of stuff. And you're like, damn, I didn't fucking think about that. So mm-hmm. I want us to talk about a couple of them right now that really reached me. So the first one is, and I want you to expound upon this. You talk about black people not doing a good job of paying attention to the oppression of others. You even mentioned, like, black people not even recognizing that we need to pay attention. Can you talk about that a little bit? Right, okay, so people don't understand that the only reason we have the concept of black as far as on a a legal, and as far as a legal system or a Mm -hmm. social structure that's been based around uh, blackness is because the group of people that in power that initially created the system that we're operating in, they needed to define whiteness. And in order to have whiteness, which is like privilege, domination, power, you have to also have an opposite of that. Right. So in the midst of us having an opposite of that, you have you have white and then you have black. As far as colors go, there's going to be everything in between that because they're the complete opposites of each other. Right. Now, as far as colors, you're going to have different groups representing, representing the system. So if you have black, you have white, you're going to have different groups in that in the midst of that continuum. Right. If Asians are treated a certain way and there's a certain form of oppression that's put upon Asians or um, certain Hispanic groups in the midst of this hierarchy, like you might have white Hispanics. So, of course, you have the white Hispanics are underneath um, white people Mm -hmm. as a whole. And then you'll have Asians and whether or not the the Asians are above white Hispanics or not, that's debatable. But there's there's a scale in this country. So. Since black is supposed to be the complete opposite of white within this system, every form of oppression that occurs to all those groups in the middle, it has no choice but to fall on black people. Black people are supposed, they're meant to be at the bottom within this system. So there's there's nothing that's going to happen to another group that's not going to be brought upon black people because black people are supposed to be the epitome of what white isn't. So that's one example. And then we talk about immigration. Folks... A lot of black people are either they're complacent or they're or even even I've run into some black people that uh, deep down inside they're happy to see that all these uh, Mexicans and different groups are being deported, not realizing that you think you're excused from this. And so with the Twenty One Savage situation, and I, which I believe they're using him as an example, definitely. But there's a lot of African immigrants that are being deported. A lot of a lot of People coming from the islands that are that are being right. deported that that look just like us. We're not excused from it. The shithole countries, as Trump said. Yeah. Right. They're like when 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 Trump said the shithole countries, you think he was you think he was excuse, excluding Africa or you think he was excluding the the dark islands? No. So that's my thing. We we sit back and there's this strange ideology of black privilege, which <laughs> blows my mind. I don't understand it. I don't get it at all, but there's a strange ideology of black privilege in America that's going to excuse you from receiving some form of oppression. And that subconscious ideology causes us to turn our heads to when stuff is happening to other groups and think it's not coming our way. And I tell folks, you don't pay attention to what's happening to other groups for the sake of the group, per se. You pay attention to what's happening to them for the sake of yourself. What the fuck is about to happen to you? Right. Yes, yes. I love the way he put that, man. I, I hadn't heard it in, in like, frame that way. Like, a, like you got this black privilege mm-hmm. construct like, that you build. And that, if, that's the practice. Yeah. As if, practicing. As if you hire in the in right. hierarchy. They, 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 they tweaking shit so it yeah. works even better when they put right. you out. Oh, yo, it's right. <laughs> And you steady clapping. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, we're, we're Negroes. That'll never happen to us. <laughs> you, we the target anyway. Right, right. Always the target. That's target yes. practice. We yes. the target. All right, so. We just perfected our methods to yeah. get to you, Negroes. Yeah. <laughs> so there's another one that, that I really like. The concept of code switching mm-hmm. troubles me. Even though I still do it on a daily basis. Going back to one of your earlier points. Like, I work in corporate America. Corporate America. Mm-hmm no matter what way you look at it, is white-owned. So the standard in which I'm measured by is a standard that is a European-Americanized standard, right? Right. And I have to compete and measure up in that system. And I loved 
this video. So talk to me about, you had a video that talked about we need to stop evaluating ourselves through this European Americanized lens. Tell a little bit, talk a little bit more about it. We've grown up and we've been, we've been educated from, from slavery and, you know, just beyond. We've been educated from white people, your, you know, the school system, blah, blah, blah. So we've been just taught to, to think like that. And um, we've been taught to emulate that through the, through the media. And we've also received negative, negative images of what black people look like as well. So there's lots, like the average image on television and movies for black people is an image that the average black child doesn't necessarily want to be. Right. We, we feed into that greatly, especially when it comes to what's acceptable in our own communities and what's not acceptable. For example, like gold teeth. Mm. Not, not ever thinking about the fact that um, these advanced societies that we look up to so much, a lot of them were using and wearing gold teeth or even some of some of these groups had diamonds in their mouth, literally, like inside their... Are we talking way before Birdman? We talking like, way, way before, before Birdman, Birdman, all of that. Or we'll look, we look down on people being flashy, wearing the heavy jewelry. A lot of kings were wearing heavy jewelry and showing their wealth. When I was in high school, I read this book, and I cannot remember the name of it, but it, it opened my eyes to just how, like, okay, making it rain. Now, making it rain, in most people's eyes, that's seen as like a niggeristic concept is you're going to a certain place and you're throwing get, all going, this money. Going to the ghetto ballet? Right. You're throwing all this money <laughs> and... <laughs> Shout out to LA. That's your line. <laughs> all right, right, Ghetto ballet. <laughs> Which, I will get back to that because uh, a mentor of mine, he made a he made an amazing point of, about about like that. But... Okay, throwing money huh. and make, making it. Yeah, I'm gonna. It's, it's gonna make you think too. It's like, okay. whoa, he made I think a great I know point. Where you going? All right, all right. So making it rain. You look at that. It was like, okay, look at these fools. These idiots out here throwing all this money. Now I'm not saying it's the best way to throw your money by any means, but that's how we look at it. Just automatically, like, look at these idiots. Yeah. Native American tribes at the end of their harvest, a lot of times they would put a bulk of like a whole, a lot of their crops. Maybe not the bulk, but a large portion of their crops on the highest mountain or the highest hill. And they would burn it to let everybody around, let the other tribes know how wealthy they were and how strong they were and how well that tribe was doing. We can afford to do away with this. We are, our, we are doing, our tribe is doing so well that we can get up here and we can burn all of this and still be good. Right. Now, I'm not saying making it rain is healthy for our communities, but when you look at it from that viewpoint, it's not seen as being so ignorant. It's like, okay, they're, they're trying to show their power. They're trying to show their strength. They were stunned back then. Right, but it's the same yeah. concept. What is the difference between somebody uh, burning their crops on top of a hill versus being on top of a balcony and throwing down money? It's the same thing. It's just the lens that we've been taught to view it from. Right. We, we, we look down on it. And the reason we look down on it is because subconsciously, subconsciously we've been taught to look down on black people. True. So if you've been taught to look down on black people and you think that black people are inferior than anything that black people do that is outside of what white culture would approve of, then automatically it's just going to be quickly deemed as being ignorant. I, I want to know, what, what was the other point that, just, that you was going to make? I don't know. What oh, the, okay. All right. So I'm, I think I'm, you were I'm referring... Eager. I think you were referring to the strip club, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't say that. It's just black ballet. I, didn't, <laughs> <laughs> black. I don't know nothing about it. I've never, I've never even been to one before. All right. So... <laughs> hey, all right. So I, I can't take credit for this. It's uh, one, of, one of my mentors. He... We were having a conversation, and he dropped this on me, and it was like, wow, you're right. And so he was saying that, um, like, I guess the, the, the people we, we perceive as being ghetto or, like, the hood or whatever, they're the most pro-black. And I was saying, okay, well, like, explain to me. And he says, okay, check this out. So he said, City Girls came to Atlanta for Super Bowl weekend. I think he said, like, $600,000 was thrown in strip club, right? I saw an article about it. Now, I don't know. I don't like I didn't I didn't go see if the specific amount of money, but it's a crazy amount of money that was thrown in strip club. And they talked about some of the exotic dancers, how much they made. Right. Thinking. But I'm gonna shut up and listen. Mm -hmm. So he he says to me, he says, in what other environment is there a transfer of money between black people of on that scale that quickly? I can't name another place. You can't name another nah. place. It doesn't happen. No. Nah. So we sit here and we demonize like dancers and things of that nature. And we demonize those clubs as well, not even realizing, like, there's 
probably no other place where money has exchanged that amount of money has exchanged that many black hands between black hands in, You're in right. that short of a time period in one setting. All right. I can't name 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 another place. So that's where I was going with that. Just we gotta just be more open minded to what we look down on. And shout and, out Danny Love. <laughs> she came on and blessed this podcast. She's uh she's an exotic dancer. She tipped us the game while she was here. It was a dope episode too. But you are absolutely right. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not co-signing the I'm not co-signing the lifestyles. I'm not um looking down on the lifestyles or whatever. But I'm just saying recognition. Giving recognition yeah. that you know if somebody can think of another spot where that happens, let me know. All right, so my, the last question I have is, we were just talking about not, not measuring ourselves against this European lens. I'm, I'm going to read this because mm-hmm. this is a little bit longer of a question, but I wanted to ask it. So the, the context is, you, you remember when we were growing up <clears throat> and you were, you were at home and for whatever reason, you know, you were smelling yourself that moment, you're sitting on your mama's couch, your daddy's couch, and you put your feet up on the table. And your parents, your mom, your dad, your your older brother, someone's liable to smack you upside your head and say, if you don't get your feet off my couch, you know, you I mean, off my coffee table, you can you can act like that once you're paying some bills up in here, right? So the, the context is you can't disrespect this house because you are not contributing to the wealth of this house. You are under my guidelines. So the question that I have is, if you think about black people in this country, we not only contribute, but we built. Right. Whether you like it or not, whether it was voluntary or not, we are the reason this country exists, exists today the way it does. Right? We are the reason, physical reason for many of our buildings and many of our institutions. Right? We have contributed to every aspect, every element, every industry in this country, many times leading the way in innovation. And so my question is, going back to when you were a kid and you put your foot up on the coffee table and were told, you can do that once you pay some bills. What does it look like as black people in this country when we realize that in this country, we have been paying bills? We paid the bills. We built the country. What does black behavior need to look like when we recognize that this is ours? I would say we've been cutting the grass. We've been the kid cutting the grass. And, I mean, we've been helped. Like, we, we built the house, too. Huh. But we haven't been... Just because you cut the grass doesn't mean you own the lawn. Right. And that's a huge difference. So we need to start going back into entrepreneurship, business ownership, like getting our money. Just like we worked. And yes, they owe us money. They do. I agree. Like we built this whole country. At the same time, it's like when it's time to get a plate, we come in the house and we ask your mama, can we get a plate? And I'm not trying to say that white people are mama at all, but right, just understand. office analogy, I'm saying right. we're still going back in that house and we're asking for a plate. And so as long as you are dependent upon that plate, then you can't put your feet on the counter, you can't go where you want to go, and you got to listen to what they say, because if not, you're not going to eat. So we're still in a position where, yeah, you built the house, you cut the grass, you did all that, but you're still dependent upon somebody else for a plate. And as long as we're dependent upon somebody else for a plate, then we're never going to have true power. I like that. So we got some work to do still. I think it was, I saw that clip of Killer Mike when he was talking about if you ain't growing your own food, if you don't know how to shoot a gun, if you ain't raising cattle. You ain't got no trade. Right. You ain't ready for a revolution yet. Which is kind of, I think the same point you're making is like all that we've done is great. It's dandy. It's history. But until we prepare ourselves to exist, live, and survive without that hand, we're still in trouble. We're we're still in that position. And for anybody listening, I want to make sure it's understood that um, it's okay to to work a job for a white company while you have to. Just don't get complacent there. Yeah. Brother Justin, man, we, we love to hand the mic over to our, our guests at the end of the show. You can tell the people whatever it is that you want to tell them. Make sure that you tell them where to catch you at. But For sure, for sure. Okay, so before I close out, it's two things I want to leave you with. The first thing is never forget that you have objectives and you have means. And so your means is just a way of getting to a certain objective. So this applies to political things, but it also applies to life as a whole. I see a lot of people, uh, especially when it comes to like our, our black men and, and black women too, but especially going with black men, there seems to be only certain pockets of things that we viewed as as far as like what we can make our money as or 
what type of career we can have or how we can have influence, power, freedom, et cetera. So we just want to be like an athlete or an entertainer. And if that's what your purpose is here, then there's nothing wrong with that. But also understand that what what is the objective in in excelling at that? You want to have money. You want to have influence. You want to be respected. You want to be able to travel, take care of your family, things of that nature. That's your objective. There's thousands of ways to get to that same objective. So just don't get caught up on one means. I always remember that in, that, in life and politically. And then the last, last thing is, whatever it is that you can do today, start there. Because I know we have these big, huge ideas on what we want to do. Um, a lot of us want world peace or we want to we want to break down the legal system and in mass incarceration things of that nature and if you just if that's what you want to do and it it can be very paralyzing to think that you want to do that and not know how to go about doing it on the scale that you want to go about doing it but just start where you can wherever that may be you want to stop black males from being incarcerated maybe you, you can start mentoring you know if there's just so just start wherever you can and if you have big goals, big things you want to accomplish. Don't be paralyzed. Start where you can, and then you just work from there. So that's what I want to leave y'all with. I love it. Dope. Tell them where they can catch you at. Oh, you can catch me at justinblue.com. Also, um, justinblue underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, and Justin Blue University on Facebook. And listeners, we'll have all his contact information in the episode description. So please go check it out. I'll leave you with this. Like, there's nothing else to add on top of what he said. If there's something that you're passionate about, the best thing you can do is just get started. Peace.